0: Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Oh, thanks. So, as you heard, I'm Brett Long, I'm the student pastor here at Life Church. In case you don't know what that means, that means I work with students that are from sixth grade to 12th grade. And I wanna tell you that is the best age of people, just (laughs) all of them, okay? If you're a parent, you can tell me I'm wrong, and then I'll tell you you're wrong. It'll be fun, okay? But man, I wanna tell you a little bit why. Um, I've worked um, with students from babies all the way up to college students, and I've, I've loved all of it. But I still think students are the most fun age to work with. Like babies, you know, they're cute sometimes. You guys get it, okay, they're sometimes cute. Sometimes they're a little scary. They're just crying at you and you're like, what do you want, and they don't tell you. It's fun, but then there's, you know, they start to grow up, they start to get a little bit older, and then you you have elementary, and in elementary age, You get those students that just ask questions nonstop and bug you, okay? It's okay to say, yes, they bug me sometimes. That's totally fine. And they're asking you questions and you're like, I see the exact same thing as you right now. I don't know what's going on. Like, I've had a student ask me, like, is it raining? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) I am seeing the same thing as you right now. Yes, it is raining, okay? And it's... Yeah, it happens, and then you get middle school, and middle school, they're fun, they're passionate, they're excited about life, and then they start trying to be cool, right? In middle school, you start to think you're you're really cool, and that's fun, you're not, but it's fun to see, okay? And then high school, it kind of continues, but in that age, you start to see them develop their passions and interests and see what are they gonna do. When elementary school, You know, every like, elementary school kind of has a dream of what they're gonna do. I'm gonna be a fireman, I'm gonna be a policeman, I'm gonna do whatever, I'm gonna be an astronaut fireman. And you're like, that's not a thing, but yeah, I'm not gonna tell you that. You're an astronaut fireman now, okay? And they just have this vision, but then in middle school and high school, you start to see it take shape you start to see this purpose in their lives. You start to see this drive and passion of what are they going to do? And the thing about that age is they want to make a difference. They want to change the world. They're like, I'm gonna do it all. I'm gonna be the biggest rock star there is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna change things. And it's this passion that I think we all need. We all need it, we all need this purpose, we all need this drive, we all need it, but we start to lose it, we start to lose focus. And what we're gonna be talking about today is this idea of purpose, this idea of passion. And the thing is, we don't realize the impact we have when we take our eyes off of God. We don't realize our purpose anymore when we start to take our eyes off of God. And I see it in students where they know God, they worship Him, they trust Him. They're like, I am gonna pray for things to happen that God is moving here and now, and I want people to know it. I want us all to have that mindset. I want us all to have our eyes on God who is giving us purpose, who is giving us drive, who is giving us passion, and to keep our eyes on him. So we're gonna be continuing this series of questions that Jesus asked, and I'm gonna be looking at a question or a, a couple of verses that a lot of us know if you've been in the church for any amount of time. It's, it's a pretty common thing, but I want us to look at it in a new way of what is my purpose? What is God really saying to His people here? So, if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 5, verse 13. Okay, that was good, but I'm gonna do this every single time I ever speak, because I believe that this is God's Word, and it is Him speaking to us and revealing to Himself to us through His Scripture. So why we cheer is because we believe that God is alive and active today. So we're going to cheer like we believe that God is moving today. Do you guys get this? You guys understand me? So let's cheer for God and his word. So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew 5, verse 13. There we go. So, yes, It is God's word, I love that. Let's pray while you open up there. God, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you came down to us, that you revealed yourself to us. God, that you want a relationship with us. God, I pray that you are working inside of us now, that we are ready to hear your words and we are ready to listen and God, we are ready to move. Fill us with passion, fill us with purpose. Keep our eyes focused on you today, Father. God, just speak to us. We just pray that all in your name, amen. (coughs) So in Matthew 5, verse 13, it says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? The question we're seeing here is he starts with the statement, you are the salt of the earth. You are this. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So we're gonna look a little bit about what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? And I know if you've been in the church, you've maybe heard some messages around this idea of what does salt mean, but I want you to start thinking of it in a bigger light. Where salt at this time, okay, it's not just a seasoning like we have today where you have your little salt shaker, maybe you have it you know, like a fancy one, it looks like a little hula girl or something or whatever design you have in your house, okay? That's not what I'm talking about here. Yes, it is a flavoring. Yes, it changes a dish. Yes, it is needed for that. But at this time, salt was a life or death thing. Salt was needed. It was required to be able to store food, to preserve it, to make it last so that people had food to eat. It was needed. It was, man, so important. And then, it wasn't just that. It was also a form of currency for a long time. People would trade salt. People would get salt as a payment. Um, there's this saying, okay, of he's not worth his salt. Has anybody ever heard this saying before? A couple people. Okay, now you've all heard it. You're welcome. Okay, and this saying... He's not worth his salt is actually about man saying that he's not worth getting paid or he is worth his salt. He's worth getting paid where the word salary comes from the word salt. I know. Interesting. Right. And that's where this this started to happen is people were paid in salt when they were worth it, when they were they needed it to live. So they were paid in salt. Another thing that it did is it would kill weeds. They would use it in different areas to kill weeds, to take care of gardens, to to, man be able to grow their, their vegetables and things without it being overtaken by the weeds. And so salt had a lot of uses. It was used for a lot of things and it was vitally important. It was important for these people to live. It was important for them to know, man, salt was important. And what he's saying here is you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt. Your purpose is greater than we even understand. Your purpose is greater than you know that you matter so, so much. You don't just add a little bit of flavor to a dish. You don't just come to church to fill in some seats and be like, oh, look at me, okay, That's not what it's about, is you are vitally important. Your purpose is vitally important. It's literally a matter of life and death that you are doing what God has called you to do. So what is God's purpose? And he tells us a few things that from the very beginning that we fell short of the glory of God, sin entered the world, things messed up. There was now a chasm between us and God. But he said, one day there's going to be a time where I come down and and the only sacrifice that that could fix this chasm, that could bridge the gap between God and man is me, a perfect person who is fully man and fully God and I will live a life without sin. I will experience everything that you experience and I will not sin and I will live a life, man, showing my miracles, showing my people who I am and then I will die on the cross, but that won't be the end. Three days later, I will rise again. I will overcome sin. I will overcome death. And that when you believe in me, you will have eternal life. You will be saved. And that's what he teaches us. And then he says, you are my children. You will be co-heirs with me. You will be with me. But until that day comes, you have a purpose. Here and now, you have a purpose. And our purpose then is two things, Jesus shows us two commandments that he gives us. It's to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and then to love one another as you love yourself. Our job is to glorify God, the God of the universe, the God who said, even though we are messed up, I still love you and care for you. The God who says, man, no matter what you've done, I'm here. The God who says, I will give you comfort and peace in hard times. I will take care of you, I will provide for you, I will love you. That's me. I'm God and I will care for you. That's what he's saying. And so we glorify him, we worship him, we love him, we sing to him, we go to church, we read our Bibles, we pray, we talk, we build that relationship. And that's the first thing our purpose is. Then the next thing that we are supposed to do is to love people to care about the people around us, to, man, share our faith, to show them that by our deeds, man, Jesus says that by your deeds, people will know that you are my followers. By the words you have, by what you do, people will know that you are my followers. We are now supposed to glorify God, and then we're now supposed to show him to other people. We do these things so that God can be glorified, God can be praised, and it's this idea that we are the salt of the earth. Your job Your purpose is so important. Don't ever forget that. God is saying, you make a difference. You make a difference here and now. And the reason I said I love students is they're passionate, but I want us to understand something. From the youngest age, as soon as you are able to walk and glorify God, man, if that's as a baby, if that's as a 90 year old man, it does not matter how old you are. Your job, your purpose is to glorify God and point others to him. And we can all do that. Our job is to man, make earth just like it is in heaven. We're supposed to be affecting the world around us. We're supposed to be changing the culture. We're supposed to be, man, difference makers. And so that is what we do. We love the people around us. We care. We make a difference. We show God in everything that we do. And so I want us to start thinking this. Man, my purpose is more than my work. My purpose is more than my family. My purpose is more than what I do. In all of these aspects, it's to glorify God and to point others to him. At work, glorify God, point others to him. Man, there's people around you that don't know him. With your family. Man, I work with a lot of parents and parents, we get, uh, you get distracted maybe a little bit of, man, my job is to just make sure my kid succeeds. That's good. But raise up a child or a student who knows God and loves him. Who knows that God loves them. That's so much more important. Yes, man, push your, push your students. Help them realize that they can do so much more. And that's what I get to do in my job too, is I partner with parents as you coach your student and I get to coach you or, or cheer you on and say, get it. Raise up that child to go and make a difference. But... Don't let it be this idea where your purpose now is losing focus on God. And so, man, as we continue to do this, as, as he continues to say this, of course we need to know, what does salt mean? It is important. It is preserving. It is, man, restoring. It is salary. It's all of these things. But then he continues, okay? But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. What would happen at this time is during this, salt was being contaminated by some other minerals. Things were getting into it that were making it taste bad. Some gypsum, some other minerals. Excuse me one second. I'm going to take a drink. Okay. I like to to narrate for you guys so you understand what's going on up here. It's hard to, hard to know. But, okay, <clears throat> but salt at this time was being contaminated. Salt at this time was being affected. to what It was making it worthless. It was making it no good. It was contaminating it. So this gypsum and other minerals, it would get into it and it would make things taste bad which I don't know about you, if I put it on food and my food taste bag, I, I'm angry. I like food, okay, especially good tasting food. So it's, it's affecting things. It's making it not preserve as well. It's making it taste bad. It's making it um, not worth anything so it can't even be used to trade for better goods. It's making it so that they can't even use it to kill weeds because when it's, um, Getting affected when it's getting contaminated by these other things, they can't even put it in their garden because it's going to kill their plants and their fruits and their vegetables. So it's used for nothing. So, what he's saying is, it's only good to be thrown out on the street and walked on by people as they walk by. That's what he's saying. And what this is saying to us, the question that he's asking is, who is contaminating you? Who is contaminating you? That you, you go from invaluable, the biggest purpose there is, to unvaluable. And what usually happens is it's usually from loneliness and contamination. It's this idea that, man, you have the most important purpose. You have the biggest job, but things are getting in the way and you're letting them in. So we'll look at contamination first of what is affecting you. What is at work inside of you? And it's this idea of you're letting these outside things into your salt, You're letting them contaminate you. These things of the world, these things that affect you, these things that contaminate you. And I don't know about you guys, I'm a big Netflix fan, okay? I love streaming TV. It is the best thing ever invented in the past 20 years. I will stand by that statement, and if you want to, man, have an argument, we can argue during the pie auction, okay? But it's this, thing that I I let it control my life sometimes, where I will sit down and binge a full TV show. And it's like, what happened to my day? Where did it go? And it's not good. It's like, okay, I need to relax, so I'm gonna just be mindless. I could be doing so much more. I could have such a bigger impact. But it's not just that type of stuff. It's, man, when you go to work, and you're like, okay, I wanna tell people about Jesus. I'm fired up. I want them to know my purpose. Yeah, let's go. And then you go and you're like, okay. But I don't wanna be weird, okay? So let me just, I'm gonna to try to use their lingo a little bit. I don't even try that with the students anymore because it's weird. Trying to talk like a high school student nowadays, it's awkward, okay? So I don't even try anymore. But for some reason, when we go to our work sites, We're like, okay, I have to start acting like these people. I have to start being like them so that I can talk to them about God. But what's happening here is your saltiness is being contaminated. Your walk with God is being led astray. You're letting other things in to control you now. You're not the one being salty. You're not the one that's affecting the things around you to where salt affects what it touches. It makes it taste better, it preserves it, man. It kills things that aren't needed. But when it's contaminated, it doesn't do that anymore. You don't want it to affect the things around it. You don't want it to work, but that's what we do. We're letting things of this world into our lives, guide the way we talk to the people around us. We're like, I just need to connect with them. No. You need to preach Jesus to them. You need to tell them about a God who loves them, a God who cares about them, and there's a way to do it, but that is what we need. Or, there's the opposite side of this, okay? We're, We're becoming too worldly, we're contaminated, we're affected, or what we've done is, man, if you keep salt in the salt shaker without ever using it, what good is it? What's the point? It's not affecting anything, it's not making a change, it's not doing anything. Maybe that's where you are, is you have stayed so sheltered, so inside of, man, I'm a Christian, I need to stay with other Christians, is you're no longer affecting the world around you. You're no longer making a difference, you're no longer spreading the gospel, you're no longer letting other people see God move in you is we need to find the balance. We can't be too worldly, but we can't do this alone. We need to go out. We need to be a part. We need to affect the world around us. We need to make earth just like it is in heaven. That's our purpose is we need to make a difference. And so as we look at this is what are we doing? Have we stopped? Have we stopped affecting the world around us? Have we become just like everyone else? Or have we just secluded ourselves? And, and we need to look at that and now what do I need to do? Or maybe you're, you're like me and you've, you've messed up in the past and you've done things that aren't good and you're like, man, how do I do this? And what is happening here? He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? He's saying, man, you've been contaminated. Maybe you've been affected. Maybe you've stayed secluded. You've done these things. But how do you get your saltiness back? And the thing about that is naturally, There is no way for saltiness that has been contaminated to become salty again. Naturally, it can't be done, but with God, it can be. With God, your saltiness can be restored. With God... He can make you new. He can restore you. He can rejuvenate you. He can make you. Man, he doesn't say that because you failed, you have to stay that way. So a lot of you guys know, but I will say this. Um, I have a nickname here at Life Church. It's Sarge, okay? You can call me Brett. You can call me Sarge, whichever. But I got this nickname 15 years ago when I was in student ministry, 16 years ago now. And it was a nickname I was given because I was joining the Air Force. And while I was in the Air Force, that was where I kind of got my calling to to go into ministry, where God really worked and grew in me. But there was a lot of things in the Air Force I did that weren't very smart. I was an 18-year-old kid. Let's be real. A lot of you have been 18 before. A lot of you probably haven't made the best decisions all the time. But one time, when I was in the Air Force, okay, I'm, I was training up to be a C-130 mechanic, and I'm out getting tools, and I'm getting these tools to bring them back to my class so that we could go work on the plane, and I hear a gunshot, and I'm like, that's not good there shouldn't be a gunshot. There should not be anything by the flight line like that. So what I do is I leave the tools where they are, and I start like sneaking towards my hanger because that's what I heard it for. And I see a dude with this gun walking in there, and I'm like, I don't know that guy. And he's like acting like he's gonna go shoot people. And I'm like, okay, this is my time, okay? And so I like sneak up, little sneaky Sarge, okay? And I go, and he like goes into the hangar and I book it at him, like around this corner. And I tackle this guy as hard as I can, okay? Like, I don't look big because I'm not, okay? But I did play a lot of football and I did a lot of wrestling. I knew how to tackle a person, especially someone that didn't see me, okay? So I go, I'm sprinting, full sprint, tackle him as hard as I can, hit his head into the ground, and I just start choking him. Like, middle of this hanger, and I'm choking him. And then I just start yelling, I got him! I got the shooter! And people like come out of the classrooms and stuff, and my boss comes out, and he goes, Long, you dummy. It was a drill. We were doing an active shooter drill. I didn't know that he should have been shooting blanks. I didn't know. That's his fault. But <laughs> I, like, guys, I tackled him. He didn't fight back. I'm pretty sure I gave this dude a concussion. I never saw him again, okay? <laughs> no idea who he was, who he is. I don't think I even apologized at the time. But my boss starts yelling at me, and he's, he's just berating me. He did a lot more words that are very inappropriate to say at church. And I won't say those here to respect you, okay? But he's yelling at me and I get yelled at for a while and then I get in trouble and I have to go do this thing on the weekend where I had to fill up my rucksack with rocks and then go on a 10-mile hike. It was really fun. I encourage that for most of you, okay? But at this point, I didn't let this define my whole time in the military. I got trained to what I needed to do. Yes, I made mistakes. Yes, I messed up. Yes, I had failures, but I didn't let that define me. That's the same with our walk with God. It's the same thing. We're called the salt of the earth and sometimes we let contaminants in. We let things distract us. We take our eyes off of God, but it's not that that defines you. What defines you is what God says about you. What he says is you are love, that you are his children, that he cares about you, that he has chosen you. So let that be what's spoken over you. It's not about your failures. It's not about the mistakes. It's not I've lost my saltiness so I can never do it again. It's I've messed up. I've made a mistake. But I know I've been made new. I know I've been given grace. I know that God is in me and he is working. And so we rest in that. We don't let our failures define us because God says we are more. More. And so we go in this way. We go out with purpose, just like the salt of the earth, knowing that everything we touch changes. And we let him work. We let him guide us. We let him move in us. We let God be mighty. And so, man, as I'm getting ready, we're getting ready to do the pie auction right after this is God's going to do amazing things today. I wanna encourage you though to make a difference. If that's the pie auction, awesome. Man, all of that money goes to help students go to the different camps we do so their lives can be eternally changed, where students can come back on fire, where people can see students up front like they are every week worshiping God. And man, maybe that happens at camp. Maybe that happens here. Maybe that happens because you're pouring into them. And I want you to start thinking of how do I use my purpose to love God and to make a difference, to love God and to love others. Maybe that's at the pie auction. Maybe, maybe you need to start serving Maybe you've been coming to church and you've been plugged in and you've been doing stuff, but maybe you haven't started serving in any way here yet of even letting new people and welcoming them and greeting them and saying, man, I'm so glad you're here and showing God's love to the people in this room. Maybe it's serving at an outside organization where you are making a difference, man, doing what God has called you to do. Maybe you're serving food downtown. Maybe that's the step you need to take. Maybe it's even just getting plugged into a Bible study, man, getting plugged into a community, showing that God is is real and that you wanna glorify him. Maybe that's the step you need to take. Or maybe at work, you need to share your faith. You need to be the light that he calls you to be, where the next verse that he says is you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Maybe you need to just start sharing your faith at work or at your kids' sports games, or man, whatever you are doing, maybe that's the step. But you know I have to keep my eyes on God to know my purpose. When I take him off of him, I'm trying to do it alone and I can't. So let God lead you this week. Let God move in your heart, man, and then find where am I supposed to grow? What am I supposed to do? Let's pray. God, we just, we thank you. God, we thank you for your grace. You, we thank you that you don't, man, look at our failures and say that that's it, but you redeem us. You work in us. You guide us. God, let us listen and rest in you, and then let us go out, Father, in the purpose that you've set before us and the things that you've done in us. God, let us go. Let us move powerfully, expecting you here today to make earth just like it is in heaven. Let us affect the world around us. Let us affect the culture. Let us affect the people. But God, be moving mightily inside of us that we glorify you wherever we go. God, we just praise you. We thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.